All right. All right. Morning, everybody. Here we are. Nice, beautiful day. Crisp, sunny. Of course, the world is still a big ball of mud, but I'm not bitter. Uh, frozen mud's even worse because then when everything else starts drying out, then you have new mud. Well, Jesus, we just we thank you uh, this morning for this place to gather in your name and to have your presence minister as only you can do. God, what I pray is that you would soften us with the oil of your presence. You know, that you would... Uh, Touch us, God, and help us to break up the fallow ground of our heart to hear what you have to say to us this morning. And God, what we pray is that uh, that you would speak only what you want this morning, God, that you would organize my thoughts God, and, and, and speak uh, in spite of me. Uh, God, if I can't say it the way that you mean to say it, God, and I, just, I pray that you would bring this word uh, to your people this morning, God, as only you can do, and that you would uh, comfort those that need comforted, that you challenge those that need challenged, God, and that you would nourish every soul. God, we pray it and ask it in your righteous holy name. Amen and amen. Now let's go over to John chapter 2. Is it? Has it been too long since daylight savings time to still use that as an excuse for being tired? Okay. I think about the time I get really good and used to it, it'll be daylight savings time again. And then we can rail on whoever it is, the powers that be, that uh, are too stupid to get rid of it. Now you know where I stand. <laughs> you know... Yeah, you know, there's something about communication that's great. You know, different people communicate differently. Uh-huh. And uh, sometimes it depends on how you grow up. Sometimes it depends on your culture, you know, which I suppose those kind of are hand in hand. Sometimes some of it has to do with your personality. You know, and there's this, this comedian that he just, he nailed it because it is so like, at least it's like my house, where... You know, his this guy talks about his wife wanting him to pick up his dirty clothes off the floor in the in their bedroom, and and uh, he's like, you know, she could say, pick those up, three words, and I could, you know, listen to her request, I could process it and decide if that was something I could do, and then I could answer her back uh, with words meaning what I'm, you know, saying precisely what I mean. And we would both be saying what we mean, and we would be communicating at the highest level, as God intended, with words. And uh, said, but instead, she she looks at the at my underwear on the floor and says, "Are those yours?" <laughs> I thought, well, if they're not, I have some questions for you. <laughs> but, but you know, communicating is like that. Uh, sometimes because you can say something and and the other person hears something completely completely different and it and it's amazing how that happens um, so you know uh, it was really interesting 
uh, you know, Cynthia and I getting married so young, and and uh, I'm kind of the say it, say what you're thinking type, kind of say it the way you mean it, you know, don't beat around the bush and sugarcoat it and polish it and whatever, just throw it out there, and you're all like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, and, you know, Cynthia grew up like, um, you know, say everything in code and, uh, you know, kind of beat around the bush and h- drop hints and everything else. And it's like, that was really, really confusing for a long time. But uh, we managed to to, uh, uh, to get through it. And uh, here we are 20 years later communicating with words as God intended. And uh, if you text to Cynthia, you know that sometimes it can still be a bit confusing. <laughs> she sent me a text this morning on the way here, and I just I was like, what does that even mean? I just texted her back, like, I, I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. Still waiting for her to get back to me, because she also takes forever to get back to you. But anyway, uh, so communication is, is really fun. But, you know, the thing is, is, and that's kind of what that's what Ben was talking about on Wednesday night. You know, is, is God communicates with us, and it makes a difference how you receive what He has to say, and how you how you listen to to what it is that He's saying. Because when you communicate with somebody, um, you know, I'm as I said, I'm all for saying it how you mean it and say what you mean. But at the same time. The person speaking has no control over how you hear what they say. And so when someone is talking to you, you have to, I think you have to listen to what they're saying in the context of who you know they are and what you know about that person. Um, Because I could say something to you and you would think, well, that's just Greg. And somebody else might say it and you would think, what a jerk. Or "What what do you think he meant when he said that? But because you know me, it's like, okay, well, yeah, he's just, he's being Greg. You know, but, um, so, you know, God talks to us, and um, and we have to to take the things that he says to us and receive them in the context of who we know God is. And, and you know, and that's, and that's what Ben was saying the other night, because you can receive what God has to say, like, fine. Like, I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone and I'm going to be holy if it kills me. <laughs> of course it will. You know. Or you can take what God says and and receive it. You know, Mary didn't, uh, you know, she, she asked the angel a question. She's like, well, how would I do that? When, when he said that you're going to, you're going to have this, this baby and everything. And she said, okay. And, and how, how's that going to work? And, uh, of course, he gives her this answer. And, and what did she say? He said, so be it unto your servant then. Okay. And so we can take the things that God says that way and understand that if he's talking to us about something, uh, he hasn't, a, you know, obviously there are things that he expects us to, to follow through on, but uh, he talks to us about things because he's going to, deal with it. He wants to, to work on an issue in our life or he wants to just straight out fix it for you. But um, it just, it requires that sense of, of choice and participation in the things that he has to say. Uh, so here in John 2, um, 
You probably, if you're like me, you've read this like a gazillion times. But this is a really, um, a couple of things that are really interesting about this uh, chapter. Um, and I'm going to read most of it, uh, if not all of it, and uh, just at, at just a non-stop, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith to them, They have no wine. And Jesus saith to her, Woman, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Rather, seems like a rather impertinent answer to give his mother, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, I'd have been, I'd have been uh, swallowing teeth if I'd called my mother woman growing up. <laughs> <laughs> And my, my boys would be, too, after I kind of got control of myself and quit snickering behind my hand. But, uh, because how funny would that be? I can just see Levi, woman? <laughs> or in Levi's case, like, woman? Appreciate your continued prayers for Levi. He's still sicker than a dog. so And... Uh, He's he's miserable. He's missed the entire week of school, and he's had a fever since Thursday, I think. That's not really going away. Just miserable. So, so uh, you know, and it's funny too because Jeremy's so jealous. He's like, he's like, I wish I got sick like that. He gets to miss so much school, and it's like, yeah, well, I told him I would grab. You know, I I haven't been sick enough to miss work in like two and a half years, but you know, I. I would rather go to work than be that sick. You know, I'd, I'd rather have to go, you know, I mean, at school. Forget about it. That's so easy. Just sit there and chill out and be cool like Jeremy does. I mean, it's easy. But anyway, so Jesus said to her, Woman, what do, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. His mother saith to his servants, Whatsoever he says to you, do it. And there were set six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw out now and bear to the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said, Every man at the beginning sets forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, them that which is worse. But you've kept the good wine till now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus and Cain of Galilee and manifested himself or manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And when the Jews' Passover was at hand, Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found the temple in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And he said to them that sold doves, Take these things hence, and make not my, my father's house a house of merchandise. And the disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? And Jesus answered and said, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and you will rear it up in three days. But he spoke of the temple of his body. So, well, there's just a few verses left, why not? When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them 
And they believed the Scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them or entrust himself to them because he knew all men and needed not that anyone should testify of man for he knew what was in man. So I thought it was really interesting this story about Jesus going and cleaning the temple out. John puts this at the very beginning of his gospel. Everywhere else, this is at the end. This is the Passover right before he gets crucified, I believe. So uh, so he puts it in a different spot here, which is interesting. Um, but uh, I think it's very intriguing that he tells you this story right after he tells you the story about Jesus making the water wine at the wedding. And I think what, what we can see here is uh, two different attitudes about serving God. Two different attitudes about going to church. Uh, because, you know, you could be on your way to a party and, and uh, you know, I mean, for the most part, I can't think of a time that I've been invited to a party I was going to that I was like, oh. I mean, I suppose if you're busy enough, sometimes it might be like, man, I wish I could just, I, I need like a transporter so I could just be there and then just be home. But, uh, and if you come up with one of those, please, please let me know. But, um, but it's a party. Who doesn't want to go to a party? You know, and, and you know, hang out, you know, you come in. <laughs> You know, I mean, you know, and, and I, I love it too because he goes to this party and uh, this, this wedding, and they're drinking wine. And um, you know, I, I know our, our culture has made that into such a uh, an excessive thing, uh, but uh, if you've ever drank a really good glass of wine, you know that after you finish it, you're thinking. Hmm. You're like you're looking around for the bottle. <laughs> it's like, hey, I believe I shall have another. You know, and uh, um, and why is that? It makes you feel good, doesn't it? You you feel relaxed, you feel warm. It's like ah, this, you know, everything about life just feels better all of a sudden. And of course, that's why people get into trouble with it because too much of a good thing then, and and suddenly you're you're not just feeling better about life, you're ruining your life. But um, but church can, is, is like that sense of of having a glass of wine at the wedding. It's like the, the joy of God, the, the, the presence of God and Him being glad you're there because if you are the host at the party, are, you know, do, you, do you huff and sigh that people showed up or are you glad they showed up? You're glad they showed up. And um, there's a there's a blessing in that. There's nothing worse than inviting people to a party and like two people show up, right. or or no people show up. No people would be better than two people because then those two people know how few friends you really have. <laughs> and you know we we do this um, yeah we do this uh, like lunch thing for um, uh, like property managers and like maintenance facility maintenance professionals and stuff. and um, It's the kind of thing I would never go to in a million years if you paid me, except for I kind of make money from it. Um, but it's like we 
we try and get all these people together to have lunch, you know, and uh, I didn't have the fortitude to try and make this happen, and Mike did, so we were pushing at it and pushing at it, and it's and, and that's what Mike said. It's like it's like throwing a birthday party, and I'm just terrified that we're going to be sitting there in a room with no one, <laughs> and so uh, nobody wants to have that. God doesn't want to have that. It's like, hey, you know, it's like I'm having a I'm having everybody over on Sunday. You should come. And, uh, uh, you know, and when when you're at a, you know, have you ever been to a family gathering where somebody wasn't there and it just felt like there's like empty seats and, and, uh, and you just think, man, this, something's missing. You know, and I, and I can tell you God feels that way when you're not there. You know, and, and you don't have to be here every time the doors are open. That's not what I'm saying. But, um. There's this, this sense of fellowship with God that, for him, it's like a party. It's like he's he's glad you showed up. Um, you know, I've had this kind of weird sort of thought kind of brewing in the back of my mind the last year or two. My kids are still little, but I've been thinking about how quickly it's going by. And I'm thinking, there, there's been a few times, like especially all three of our kids would go stay uh, like with the rice leaves or something. And we'd come home late on Friday night, and it's just me and her getting out of the car in the dark, going in the house, and it's so quiet. It's just just us, you know, dark, it's quiet. And I think, man, give it like another 10, 12 years, it's probably going to be like this all the time. And, boy, you talk about feeling maudlin. It's like, where's the wine? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> And so, all of you whose children are grown are like, yeah, I know, welcome to the club. Thanks for rubbing it in. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but no. But if, on the other hand, you can, you can see serving God as transactional, like, like these people did. Like, well, I came to church, I, I, I paid my, my tithes, and, and, uh, and there we go, and uh, and and that's what you what they kind of what they had done here because they the the selling of these these animals for the sacrifices and stuff completely misses the point of what they were for. Um, I suppose you know if you know if if money is has become your god, then in that case it might still be rather painful to have to uh, you know pay money to have your sins taken care of, but. Um, but then again, you're still missing the point. And so, um, you know, there are, you know, I, I, I think I, I'm all for people, um, you know, uh, the, the churches reaching people and, 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 and saving them and, and stuff and getting them in the, in the body of Christ, um, you know, as long as they're pointing them in the right direction, but, there are few things to me that are more just disgusting to listen to than people that that talk about you know church or church growth and all that stuff as if it were a business. Yeah. You know, and, and and I get following up with people after you've talked to them about the Lord and stuff. I get that, but at the same time, doesn't that sound so salesy? You know, it's like um, you know we uh, one of the guys that used to work for us. Um, 
uh, he had this alcohol problem. He wanted to get his life together, and he goes, uh, went to this Baptist church and started going there. He goes and gets baptized, and he didn't feel any different, and nothing in his life really changed. And and he said that every time I went, the it just seemed like every time I turned around, they were passing around the plate, you know. And the and the preacher was always talking about money. And it's like and I I get that it takes money to keep the lights on, but really. And um, so, needless to say, he was discouraged with that, as as any uh, person who's ready to be honest with himself would be. And um, uh, and so he he didn't go to church this Sunday, and pastor shows up at his door. He's like, "Hey, you know, if you're going to be a Christian, you got to come to church, man. You got to be here." And uh, He's like, and I felt like all he was really concerned about was making sure that I was there and paying my tithes. Like he needs my fifty bucks this week, you know. Like really, you know. And you know, and I, I can tell you, God doesn't need your fifty bucks this week, you know. And uh, if if you don't pay tithes, then you you really should consider that. But but he doesn't need your money. He doesn't need he doesn't need uh, any of that stuff. He doesn't need your resources. He needs you. And, and he, you know, and he's not looking for somebody who who shows up, you know, dressed to work, with an attitude of, well, I'm here to do my job now. It's more like, I don't know, it's more like you know those those folks that hang around after the uh, after a wedding's over or after a, a party's over or whatever. They're all still dressed nice, but they're you know picking up. And all the ladies are in there washing dishes and stuff, and and. Uh, all the guys are hauling tables and chairs and stuff, and, uh-huh. and then the women come out and show them up, and, you know, because that's how it's done. Yeah. And, uh, um, but uh, you know, I think that's a little bit closer to the mark because you know, God, you know, if if you if you love God and you show up to the party, then uh, helping him out doesn't sound like such a drudgery. Doesn't sound like such a horrible thing to have to, you know, do do something that he'd want you to do. And uh, um, I love this in uh, in verse eighteen. Uh, uh, the Jews said to him, "What sign showest thou unto us, seeing you do these things?" Right? <laughs> love that little that little snicker. Uh huh. Yep. Comes in there with his his scourge of small cords and boy, can you imagine <laughs> what boy what a what a service that would be. That's one of those places that would be really amusing to be, and also extremely uncomfortable because you'd be I don't know I, I think if I was you know Peter maybe I'd be kind of like <laughs> and. Uh, uh, you know, preachers jumping out the windows, and, uh, <laughs> right? But they, uh, uh, well, I, I would, but I didn't, didn't want to, you know, have my new suit on. Uh, so, um, but these, you know, these guys who are so entrenched in. In their their uh, churchianity, yeah. they uh, they're like you know where do you come off coming in here and 
and doing all this stuff? You know, who gave you the right to do all this stuff? And and of course, um, if you read this in the other Gospels, uh, Jesus uh, confronts them about uh, the baptism of John. Um, you know, and uh, and here uh, he he brings it back to the temple. He's like, you know, if you destroy this temple, you guys are so attached to this temple because this is like your office. This is where this is where you show up, and make money every Sabbath, and and uh, and he said, you know, if you were to destroy this temple in three days, I would raise it back up. And of course, he's talking about himself. Yeah. And I think the thing that's really cool about that is again God is he wants the fellowship. You know, he, he wants you to, to, to love him. It's uh, church has become like the old folks home. It's like, well I went to go see God on Sunday, you know, we hung out for a couple hours and he told me the same old story he told me last month when I was there and and uh, yeah and then uh, you know then we left and you know, got out of our itchy old folks home clothes and, and you know went out to Perkins and it's like really? You know whereas you know you know Sunday morning God's thinking you know it's like he's got the water pots in the back and uh, and, and, and he's ready to start dishing them out because yeah. he's excited that his family is going to be here but the thing is 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 he's talking about this this temple being a body and how uh, God's not interested in just having fellowship with you on on Sunday morning or Wednesday night uh, or you know God forbid Friday night. You know, uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill said something that was uh, rather challenging. I thought uh, the other day I was listening to a sermon of his and uh, and he said, you know, Wednesday night uh, will show you how popular the preacher is by the attendance. Of the, the church, prayer meeting will show you how popular God is, and it's like, ow, it's like ow, ow, ow. It's like, Lynn, you're killing me, bro. But you know, but it's true, you know. And uh, I, I, it's like the old saying goes: uh, it's the preacher's job to uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So, um, you know, because. When you're afflicted, you do need comfort, and that's that's a great time to show up to the wedding, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, and and then you leave feeling better about life. And then uh, sometimes when you're really comfortable, like these guys were here with the uh, uh, selling all their stuff in the temple and making it a house merchandise, sometimes you need to be prodded a bit, or or. Uh, you know, oh, I just I love this the, the mental image of him coming in here and you know throwing their tables over and like smacking them with like this little like crop thing. It's awesome, but because he's he he doesn't want his he he never intended for Christianity to be churchianity. He never intended it for it to be this transactional businessy type thing that was uh, this was almost like. Almost like Egypt again. It's like the the, the people of God are there, um, and uh, they're not uh, they're not you know building with the sweat of their brow. They're building with their, their pocketbook now, and uh, um, and they're they're missing out on 
on the whole purpose of, of why God wanted them to come to the temple in the first place, to, to have you know, fellowship with Him. So, um, you know, and it's interesting because the, the, the people who, you know, have the most um, uh, religious turf to hold on to, I guess, um, are the people who are always the most resistant to God bringing some kind of message like what he brought those guys that day. And, uh, you know, and the great thing is, is, is when we stay tender to him, he doesn't have to talk to us like that. He doesn't have to do that kind of stuff, but it's a blessing that he would. Because one of the, one of the most important things I think as you look at these two stories together is that Jesus loved these guys just as much as he loved everybody that was at that wedding feast. And and he wanted to have fellowship with them just like he, he could have had he would have had fellowship with the people at the wedding. But uh it you know, there's so much of of what we perceive about what God tells us or what God is doing in our life depends on on what we believe about him. You know, and and you know, do we believe that God would uh, you know, wants to have fellowship with us. That he's that he's happy that we showed up. That uh, you know, he wants you to just you know, come in in the morning and pour yourself a cup of coffee and get a donut or five and and, and sit down with him and and just just chit chat a bit and just you know, or or do we think that you know, I, I hope I can avoid his attention uh, long enough to to skate through here without uh, without getting busted. You know, and uh, I mean, I've got my mirror up here. <laughs> you know, your silence does not deter me, but uh, um, it's uh, it's a really, really awesome thing that God does that. You know, and I love how this verse ends, this chapter ends, because He says that He doesn't, He didn't commit Himself to them, He didn't entrust Himself to them, uh, because He knew them and needed not that any would testify of man, for, because He knew what was in man. Um, you know, when somebody, if you're talking to somebody about a problem, um, and they have no point of reference for what you're telling, what you're talking about, they have no sense of being able to identify with what you're going through other than on kind of an intellectual level, like, wow, yeah, that would, I, I get that that would be really hard. Um, it's, uh, it's tough to take much comfort out of anything that they have to say to you because it it's not it's not that they don't care it's not that they they're not wanting to help you but if you don't if you really if you know that they don't really get what you're saying because because they've not experienced it it's not the same as somebody who has been where you've been you know and uh you know, and that's a um, one of those things that you know. Sometimes we we go through stuff and we're like, man, why in the heck am I going through this worthless, pathetic stuff? I see absolutely no value whatsoever in going through this moment. And you you know, God, you you know, you you, you go to the temple. You know, you go up to the wedding, you get some wine with God, and you you get through the get through the week, and 
you know, eventually you come to the end of whatever this thing is that God's doing in your life, and uh, and then you meet somebody else, yeah. or you're talking to somebody else, and like, you know, I was just, you know, da 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 da. Yeah. You know, I mean, you probably don't get what I'm talking about. It's like, actually, yeah, you probably you feel like this, and this is what's happening, and and you just you don't know if you're ever going to be okay again, and they just stare at you. Because they know exactly what you just told them exactly what they were thinking, yeah. and so um, the my my point about that is is that Jesus gets what it's like to you know to be you, which is a precious thing, uh, you know, and and that's that's kind of maybe a different angle than what he's really getting at here in John. Uh, in where he says that uh, he didn't need anybody to testify of man because he knew it was in man. Uh, but you know that's an awesome thing because you can you can just come to God warts and all, and you don't have to hide anything from Him, and you don't have to uh, try and sugarcoat anything with Him or or uh, anything like that. He's he he totally gets it, and and as if. Uh, you know, as if you could hide anything from him anyway. Um, it's just like Nonpet said last week. You know, honest, open, and transparent with God. Um, there, there is, I, I believe, no door that will not open in your life if you practice that, being honest, open, and transparent with God. Uh, because um, 